Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Scared Shitless Podcast, episode nine, I think. Um, it's so nice to have you here today. I'm joined by uh, a wonderful person um, by the name of Gabby. Hello. Hi. This is Gabby's second episode. I'm really, really excited to have you back because um, you, you're really good at talking. I'm really nervous. Don't be nervous. Why nervous? Because it's called Scared Shitless, so yeah, I feel like... You've already been on it, so you don't have to be nervous. But we're not telling the same story. That's so true. You don't know what's going to happen. No, I don't. Um, so obviously before we start, um, my dog is sleeping literally behind the mic. So if she does make any noises, I really apologize. It's not me, uh, breathing heavily. It's the dog or like licking her lips. Maybe you should cut that out so that everyone else can be scared of whatever the <gasps> noise is. That's actually so true. Yeah. Also, before we start as well, something that I really want to do for every episode is um, acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are making this podcast today. Um, I think it's really important to acknowledge Indigenous owners every time we do anything creative um, in terms of like a venture and we try and build a career out of something and eventually, obviously, which a lot of people want to do is uh, make money and make a living off something. So um, yeah, the tr- traditional owners of the land on which we are um, doing this podcast on today is Aboriginal land and always will be. Um, and with that out of the way, I'm really excited to talk about a few things today. So before we even get into um, the main story, Gabby, we've already chatted to you about like your past and mm-hmm. um, a lot of things that you've been through. Culty stuff. Cult, culty exorcisms, mm-hmm. creep, some creepy, pretty, pretty traumatic shit. Ter- so, honestly, terrifying. <laughs> and like, it means a lot that you would share with me and um, anyone who's listening. So it's very brave and I think it's great. So thank you so much. That's okay. Um, I so probably wouldn't have if it wasn't you sitting here. I think so too. Mm. Like you wouldn't just say that to anyone. No. Because it's pretty private and um, it really did like affect you a lot. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like it, it wasn't just like a casual thing. Like it was like a No, it's like in my formative years when I was, a, do you know what I mean? When you're becoming who you are. For sure. Yeah. When you're shaping yourself. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, well, this podcast is all about, um, really talking about those fucking terrifying experiences that we've had in life and how it shaped us to who we are today. And, um, we've all had them. And obviously like, I don't want to tell all mine in the first few episodes. I'm going to eventually just like drop them here and there. But I have mentioned like, I almost died. I almost drowned once when I was younger. Me and too. Isn't it? Wait, what happened? Um, I went to, so my mum was working hours away. Um, so I would go home and she wouldn't be there. So it'd just be me. I was in year eight and a friend of mine and I went to the beach when there were no flags up mm. and I got sucked out to sea. Like caught in a rip? Yeah. Got, yeah. Same caught thing. in a rip and got sucked out. And then I did my, you meant to raise your hand and you're not meant to wave it. You meant to raise it because there were other people there and they were hooking up and they looked over at me and then just kept hooking up. And then it didn't help you. Yeah. I actually passed out in the water and like literally almost drowned. It's just my friend who was a skinny, skinny, skinny dude. I think his adrenaline just kicked in and he pulled me out. Well, thank God. (laughs) Sorry for the phone message. I'll cut that out. Sorry. Um, well that, yeah, the exact same thing, exact same thing happened to me. I got caught in a rib and then waves like destroyed me and I swallowed so much water. I think the ocean is one of the scariest things actually. Don't even start. (laughs) Literally, like, the movies that scare me the most are shark movies. <gasps> I yeah. watched an Australian movie. Can't remember the name. It's all about crocodiles. Rogue. Yeah, and yeah. I went to sleep 
terrified. Yeah. I was in a two-story house. I was the second story up, but I, I swear to God, I knew that a crocodile was going to come in yeah. through my window that night. Same. Like, I was terrified. I'm fucking terrified of anything related with the water. Like, the ocean to me is the most terrifying, mysterious thing. It's like we the have, wind. You're like, no one can control it. We have no idea what's under there. No. You haven't been deep enough to find out what's going under there. No. Like, there's giant krakens. There's huge sharks. That? A giant squid. Huge. Enormous. Can they kill you? Absolutely. That's terrifying. I know. But back to what I was going to talk about. Um, something that I find really fascinating, fascinating, but also very um, almost painfully ironic in a way is that when tragedies occur at theme parks, because it's like the theme park is to be a beautifully happy pet place. But then tragedies occur at them. And I find that this is like a strange... I never go to theme parks because I'm terrified of them in general. Because of heights or just... No, I'm scared of theme parks. Tell me what you're scared of. Clowns? I'm scared of Luna Park where you enter through someone's mouth just to walk <laughs> yeah. into the park. I can get, I can see that. Well, it's scary. And it then scary. I'm just scared of rides in general. I'm terrified yeah. of them. It doesn't matter if it's a toboggan or if it's a water ride. Even just those... The slides with a little bit of water on them that are exactly like a playground slide, but it's in a theme park. I'm literally the, the biggest baby. I can only go on like the tamest of rides. I do nothing. So, yeah, sometimes I just kind of watch. <laughs> yeah, I, watch I'm, I don't like. I like watching people have fun, but I get so fucking scared of heights and like quick movements and drops. Although when I went to Dreamland, Dream, fucking what's it called? Um, Disneyland in America. Yeah. That was like the funnest place because it's really tame <laughs> and, and like really chill. <laughs> But you just played in the kiddie pool. Played in the kiddie pool. I <laughs> went on the Mickey Mouse ride like 50 times. But there was... Um, so, yeah, in Australia, um, back in 2016, uh, at Dreamworld on the Gold Coast, um, four people were killed on the um, the River Raft ride. Were um, they really? They were killed, yeah, and they were from Canberra. Is the um, River Raft the one where you're literally like sitting in a balloon? Like you're a sitting in a circular... Raft like, um, and there's just water around you. Fully water around you, and so what they did recently in the news, they reenacted this um, scenario with with like a CGI type thing to see what actually happened. And um, oh. what happened was one of the one of the rafts um, kind of capsized and went upwards like the Titanic. The people fell into the water, and the the turbines <gasps> held them under, and they drowned. Oh, I thought and, you were going to say it shredded them. Well, I didn't <gasps> want to get that gr- gruesome, but apparently one of them was pretty uh, pretty ruined, oh. which is fucked. And, um, yeah, the guy was, uh, he was he was a queer guy from Canberra, a, co- a gay cop from Canberra, um, so the community was really, like, shook up by yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and then in Luna Park, back in, th- uh, back in 1979, Ugh. the ghost train killed uh, six children and one adult because it caught on fire. And oh they were trapped God. inside. How yeah. did that happen? Oh, you don't know? They don't know. They just kind of, it just malfunctioned and they got stuck. Oh. It's fucking scary. Then in... Surely one of those kids just set it on Fire. Like arsony? Yeah, I don't know. Surely. Like, I feel like they would have... Spontaneous combustion isn't a thing, is it? Well, I don't know how rides work. I'm not a ride. No, I'm, no, about fire. Oh, yeah. I you could have overheated it. Like, yeah, okay. Um, then a place called Schlitterbahn in the US in 2016, a youngster named Caleb Schwabel fell to his death while riding the Veracht an attraction billed as the tallest water slide in the world. The Washington Post reported that some witnesses saw the boys raft 
hit netting while other witnesses say the harness weren't on properly on the day of the incident. Uh, the, the ride had multi-person rafts that allowed for a 51 meter drop at speeds of up to 110 kilometers per hour, followed by a surge up a hump and a sharp descent to a finishing pool. And, um, this poor boy fell off and died. Horrible. I don't understand. It, he would just, he just flew out of the raft and because it was so high, oh. he fell and died. Yeah. Instead of sitting in his seat. Yeah. Because his harness wasn't, wasn't on properly. properly. They oh say that God. it could have been a couple of things, but that was the main. Then in um, Alton Towers in the UK, two teenage girls had to have their legs amputated <gasps> after the smile of roller coaster at Alton Towers crashed in Gale Force Winds in 2015. Gale Force Winds? Why would you go on it? I don't know. They should have shut it down in my opinion. But the incident was told human errors were responsible. The judge was told the ride was not fitted with a wind speed recorder and the staff were not properly trained. A full carriage collided with a test carriage that had been sent along the ride earlier um, and stopped in the valley of the track. Took 17 minutes to get them out. That's not human error. That's just someone being an idiot. There was already a test train on there and they just sent another one that collided. It's bad communication. That's what it is. It's horrible communication. It's stupid. Um, Then at Six Flags, which is very popular... um, uh, eight teenagers were killed in 1984 when a blaze broke out on the Haunted Castle ride. Wait Most of the people on the ride escaped when the fire started, but the eight teenage victims became trapped. Do you know the worst thing about all of this is mm. that most places, I mean, I don't go to theme parks very often, obviously, but even like flip out or places where you just jump around on trampolines, they make you sign those waivers. So yeah. if anything happens, they're not responsibility. For sure. Yeah. They're not responsibility, you know. Yeah. Like the girls who had to get their legs amputated, I bet they had to sign one of those. Before they got on the ride? I reckon like part of your entry is that you sign. Well, normally roller coasters don't have that, but places like the skate rooms and like. They will. Because it's more like free roam because these rides are more controlled apparently. Oh, so maybe they don't. I hope Well, they're all safety tested and I think it would take too long to get everyone to sign a thing before they got on. But to be fair, I went to the Big Banana recently, like a couple months ago in Queensland. Doesn't that just sit there? No, but they have rides there now. It's like a whole thing. Oh. We went on the toboggans. They made us sign a thing beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> it was weird. Um, but then one in... Uh, do, you want, do you want to hear more? Or is this... Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, at Eco Adventure Valley in China, one of Asia's worst fatal fun park incidents occurred in 2010 upon the Eco Adventure journey at a Shenzhen fun park. Um, the, the ride, which was supposed to simulate a rocket launch, malfunctioned when one of the cars suddenly came loose and lost all power. Oh it plunged out of the sky with 44 people inside, <gasps> six of whom who died. That makes me feel That's sick. Fucked. And then last but not least, um, there was, uh, in October, 2010 in Austria, a man was working on a ramp of the flying roller coaster Velar Falls. Um, and he fell to his death after he hit by a cart and pushed from the track while one passenger was severely injured. And then there was also another one, um, in the, in the UK, England's worst music par- amusement park disaster. Five children were killed when a wooden Big Dipper roller coaster malfunctioned. An investigation, what did it do? Um, found the rope that hoisted the carts to the top of the of the launch hill had snapped, snapped. causing the anti-rollback mechanism to fail. The the chains of the car rotated backwards into the ride's boarding zone, hitting dozens of people as it fell. I find ropes terrifying as well for that same reason. For sure. I watched someone swing on a rope once on TV and it snapped and then they fell into a wooden plank and Hmm. their bones all came out of their legs. Like it snapped and just came out. Yeah. 
And that's what I imagined when you told me that story. That's fucked. Um, so this was the ride that well, that boy from the water slide, he fell off that. How could he get out of the, that? There's netting, the netting everywhere. Well, the, the netting stops halfway. <gasps> and then he fell out. Do you know out, what? And he was decapitated. <gasps> His parents would have seen that. His parents would have seen that, yeah. See, that's the drop there. It would have fallen. He would have fallen out. Why would the netting stop there? I don't know. I guess it's Maybe because those... it had never happened before. You know how sometimes yeah. people go, it'll be well, fine. Well, they're pretty vigorously tested, those rides as well, because they are high oh, risk. So Not enough. Not, no, definitely not. Well, obviously not, no. Um, okay, so obviously that's fucking scary. Um, I really want to now... I'm just like going from like point A to point B here, but I love this. Okay. So I have been thinking recently about, um, I know I talk about horror movies a lot on this podcast, but like, Oh, we're just, we're switching it up. Oh, we're switching up. Oh, we're switching it up. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I know that like I talk about horror movies a lot, but I feel like you can't talk to a true horror podcast without talking about horror films because they are really inspired by true life. Yeah. And true life stories. So, um, I compiled three scenes um, from three specific horror movies that have just like really fucked me up for a long time. So I'm going to show you them. Um, I but can't wait to show you mine. Gabby, I can't actually watch these scenes because they scare me that much. So okay. I'm going to have to get you to press play and then hold it away from me. So the first scene's from Insidious. If you haven't seen Insidious, I'm really sad. For I you. haven't seen it. You just it. press space bar. Good luck. Real. I've seen it from my... Who's that? That's the boy. Oh. I can still hear that voice. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I hate that scene so much. Uh, Are you okay? Sorry. I get really scared by um, (laughs) him. I want. The um sometimes I wake oh up God, I don't want you to cry, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night. Yeah. Like and if I've got a hat like even that freaked me out. There's someone standing in the window across the street and it terrified oh, me. Um uh when you see shadows and then when you're waking up and your mind changes into the shape of a person. Oh yeah. When I was little, um Sorry, just quickly. No, no. When I was little, I never believed this, but my mum and my sister, so we lived in a rental, and before we moved in, a witch lived there. Mm. And they were sure of that because they, one of the doors was always locked to one of the rooms that were meant to be part of our lease, and they finally got in and they found, like, all this witchy stuff. I don't know. Anyway, and my mum and my sister always said that every night, either over my mum's bed or my sister's bed, that there was this really huge black beast-like figure on two legs with two arms, like, as if... You know when real macho dudes walk and there's, like, yeah, standing like that, standing over one of them at their feet and just staring at them and their nose would just be going... Oh, my God. I never heard it or saw it, but they were convinced of it and they were terrified. So that's why I cried for that because that really, like, that reminded me a lot of that. That's fucked. And I was in year five. Well, that movie 
It's horrible. I can't even watch that scene anymore. It scares me so much. I can much. understand why. There are certain movies that like just really fuck, have fucked me up, and that was one of them. Um, next scene is from uh, <laughs> this. This this is one of those scenes that only scares certain people. It scares me. It doesn't scare my partner JJ. He doesn't care. Maybe but, I'll be fine. Yeah. So this is from Hereditary. It says press space. I haven't seen any of these movies. These are all very very. I good. stopped watching horror movies watch when this. we have stopped to, um, hanging out. You have to kind of yeah. This is Tony Collette, is it? Yeah. Is that dead? <laughs> There's gonna be flies that come out of her mouth or something. That means nothing to me. Him looking around the room just is funny, but the noise is terrifying. Oh my god, he's possessed! Did he just get possessed? Peter! He's gonna have a different voice. Peter, what's wrong? He's just gonna scream, he's gonna have a different voice, or he's gonna fly to the roof. They're hanging him. They're hanging him. Oh, he's okay again. That's the end of that one. I love that scene so much because it's such a... Um, Why? He's such a good actor. He? He's such he's a good actor. He's the one I was laughing at. He's an incredible actor, I think. I think. I thought he was... Um, mm. Really? That's why I started laughing when he was looking around the room for the noise. Well, that if you know the context behind it, you'd be a bit scared. I no, guess. I was scared of the yeah. noise. It was terrifying. But then when I watched him whipping his head around, I just thought he was funny. Fair. No, it's to me, it's so scary. Because sometimes you laugh when you are scared. Yeah, because that's of that, true. You don't know what else to do. I completely get that. Um, but the first one was way more terrifying for me. I thought that whatever had possessed him was going to hang him. Oh, Like, okay, I thought yeah. that they were, like... I don't know why his hand would be up if they were... Well, he's know. just kind of going through, like, a like a crisis type of thing. Um, okay, I'm going to show you this last... Oh, I've got two more, actually. Um, this one's called The Eye. Um, it's a Japanese... I think I've seen... Oh, no, I've seen the American one. Yeah, the American one's <laughs> terrible. Um, suppress space while when you're ready. And you'll have to, again, cover it because this thing fucks me up. <laughs> I can't sleep tonight at all. Why are you making me watch this? Because I like to scare people. That's the point of this podcast. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? Nothing. He's turning around, but he's floating. Ah! He's only got half a face. Sorry. Nothing's happening. She's at number 13, which is unlucky, isn't it? So something's going to happen. 
the body's floating and I think it's gonna like possess her. Like it's gonna. Oh, She just can't get in her door. That's just normal. I don't know what the, what did the writing say? I can't remember. Well, that seemed like a key point because she looked up, saw the writing and then it was like, boom. So I was like, oh. <laughs> it must have said locked or something. <laughs> yeah, maybe shut. And um, last but not least. That looks like a big orgy. It's from The Descent. I haven't seen any of these movies. It's about um, a cave diving group of women who go down to this cave in New Zealand. and. Um, Is it true? No, but they've just been locked under there. They can't get out. Um, the uh, cave is like caved in. Thanks. Dead animals. Hundreds of them. This is not good, guys. Can we get out of here? Which way? Come on. She's pretty. There's no one there, you're in a cave. <laughs> Is that all you were supposed to say? Do you know, it's lucky I even saw that because I looked away because I was mad at her for being like, Is anyone here? No, because you're, really you're in a cave. Off yeah. Oh, that was worth it. Oh, that movie's fucking scary. Do you know what movie isn't really a horror movie but literally messes me up if i ever watch it i literally can't leave the house for days six cents no mm. i'm not saying that black swan with natalie portman <gasps> that's a great movie i know but it it's like did i see it with you yes yeah i think i didn't talk to you for yeah, a you week or so after that. that no i felt terrible it's a very it fucks with your head yeah movie, because yeah. it's like she's going crazy and then i'm going crazy watching her going crazy that's the point, yeah. and it's like I, it makes me feel sick. Like, I, I can't cope with it at all. The director, Darren, I think it's Darren Aronofsky who did that. He has a really good way of, like, making the audience feel the way the characters feel. Yeah, so then when they do something crazy and fucked up, you're yeah. you're right there with them and you're empathising with them and then you're like, oh, my God, I'm crazy. For sure. I That's why that. I don't read books anymore. Amazing. Well, neither do I, so. Yeah. I like to watch movies. Um, so, thank you for listening to that. I hope that wasn't too scary or too loud, but... Uh, we're about to get into the main story, but before I do that, I would like to mention that the next episode, um, if we're getting a bit bored of the same conversations, I'm really sorry, lol, but, oh my God, I said lol, I want to die. Yeah, um, that was weird. <laughs> I will be either, I'm just kind of figuring out which one to do next week, but either A, I'm going on a live ghost hunt and I'll be recording oh, it. Oh no. And I'm really nervous, but no. my friend... Don't do it. My friend reached out to me and they said, um, I would like to do a podcast with you, but only if you come with me to a graveyard and we'll try and contact someone. And I was like, look, I'll let you do it. And I'll stand really far away with like, um, a lot of salt around me or something. Cause I'll be fucking so scared. That's not a ghost hunt then though. Well, they want to hunt ghosts. They don't want to hunt them. They want to talk to them. That's like a clairvoyant. Well, that's what ghost hunting is. You just want to find a ghost. Oh, I thought ghost hunting was like having bad intentions no, for the ghosts. Sorry. No, I saw a dog farted. It's not cute. Um, <laughs> either that or... It's terrifying. I also got contacted by someone who's a cleaner, who's cleaned people's houses who have that passed one. away. Do yeah, that one. So either A or B, I'll, um, I'll B. figure it out. B. A or B, we'll find out. It's not up to me. 
It's not up to you, Gabby, because yeah. this is my podcast and not yours. There's <laughs> nothing you can do about it. Um, okay, we're going to have a very brief break and we'll be back very soon with the main story. See you so soon. Bye. Welcome back to the Schedulers Podcast, episode nine. It's so good to have you here. Um, I just want to say, like, thank you everyone for the support so far. Like, it means so much that people are listening to this. I know there's not many, but like, yeah, I just get really excited when I see um, one or two extra people listening to the podcast every week because it does take a lot of work and a lot of um, a lot of time. So I really, I really do appreciate it. It's a also lot. very emotionally draining. It can be <laughs> talking to people who I don't like. No. I'm kidding. I no, I, I mean, joking. like, putting yourself in a position where it's like, we're going to talk about things that are fucked up. Yeah, like, especially, it... um, I don't know if you listened to the last episode, but that one really hit me hard. Like, I had to drive home to Canberra, um, and take, drive home to Wollongong from Canberra. It was two yeah, and a half hours. Yeah, And that whole story was just playing my mind the whole time. Yeah. It's really tragic. Yeah. Um, also, how dare you not listen to the last podcast? I didn't, what? I didn't say anything. You shook your head. Yeah. What was it about again? I don't know. How dare you? <laughs> Fake fan of you. No, but I've showed lots of people your podcast. Thank you. That means a lot. It does. Genuinely. My auntie says uh, James has the most relaxing voice <gasps> to listen to. That's so nice. And everyone that I may listen to it said that my voice is horrific to listen to. Yeah, a lot of people have told me that too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just joking. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about a man named Albert Fish. Um... Okay, we're going to get straight into it. So Albert Fish was born May the 19th, 1870. So we're going back, a bit back in time today in Washington, D.C., USA. I think I know who this is. No, you definitely don't. Do you reckon? Is he a cannibal? Oh, my God. Kind of. I think I read a play about him where I oh, was wow. here. <gasps> I think. That's so And read cool. it. I don't know. I'll... I'll Imagine. He is pretty You tell me the story and if wasn't it's him. Well okay, that's okay. Um, so his father, Randall Fisher, was 75 years old when Albert was born. Um, 75 years old? 75. That's scary. He was 43 years old, older than Albert's mother, Ellen. Oh, okay. Um, Randall Fisher died when Albert was five years old, and he, he, no. he and his siblings were placed in an orphanage. Um, oh, at, this is the first problem. He's got no attachment to anyone. No, nothing. At the orphanage, Albert sang in the choir, and he was also subjected to horrible abuse by other boys, as well as staff members of the oh. orphanage. He soon began to realise at this young age that the physical beatings and whippings that he received began to give him a sexual pleasure. He would gain an erection mid-beating and would further be ridiculed by fellow children and staff members. This is horrible because do you know why? It's all because of the attachment theory. Yeah. Because he had no healthy attachment. So that was like the attention that he was getting. So then it's turned like positive for him. Yeah, he thinks that... Um, like it's fine to have fetishes and stuff, but obviously... Sure. When you're that age. Yeah, you need um, attention, but in a positive light. Yeah, and that was like the only nurture yeah. that he was perceiving. He thought he was discipline getting. was also love. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not a psychologist, but that's what I think. I um, am. Fair. <laughs> um, Albert spent four, four years at the orphanage when he was nine. His mother secured a job, and um, so she retained custody of the children. Two years later, Albert became friends with a local telegraph boy who was really fucked. 
Um, he actually introduced Albert to a range of really strange behaviors like drinking their own urine and Ew. eating their own feces. That's like Did you that have a guy. Like that? Um, no, but didn't we have a football player who peed into a bubbler and then drank in his it? His mouth. He peed into his mouth, I think. Something like that. Yeah, that's just kind of like the Australian um, football fuckery that we hear about that I don't care about. Yeah. Um, every time I hear those kind of stories of like, old mate uh, got too drunk and fell on the street, I'm like, I don't care. Oh, no, give I don't care fuck. about any of that. Like, but that's the you... only thing in my brain that attaches to the story you've mm. told me. It's just once upon a time I heard that some random person did that. Yeah. Also, like, back to the football thing because I love talking about it. Okay. It just, like, fucking frustrates me because, like, if a woman did that, like, if a woman peed on the street, a woman, like, famous woman t- tennis player, for example, she'd, you'd probably never, never hear the end of it. And he was just, like, people justified him as, like, just taking the piss and, like, having a joke. I don't know. I don't think they did. I, the reason I heard about it is because there was a documentary about it where he was, like, crying and real sad about it. And I was like, well, you did it. <laughs> I just hate... Um, I don't, why does it matter? You just yeah, you play care. you throw a ball around. Like I'm really happy for you that you get a lot of money from that, but why do I care if you paint into a bubbler? Yeah, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Couldn't care less, do what you yeah. want. Um they would also take the hang uh sorry, they would also take to hanging out at local uh, bathing venues which were really popular in the time. Like kiddie pools? Or no, there were venues they were like uh, buildings that if you didn't because a lot of houses didn't have showers or baths inside. So like the house. communal showers. Yeah. And um these two boys would uh watch young boys getting undressed. Yeah. Uh, at the age of 11, Albert fell from a cherry tree, which had caused a very serious concussion that caused vertigo, dizzy spells, and constant headaches. And if you look up the, uh, statistics of, uh, murderers or rapists who have uh, had concussions as children, it is really alarming. Is this why people say, did your mum drop you on your head as a baby? That's where the saying came from, even though it's a horrible saying. But no, it, I've yeah. never said it, but I've always wondered where it came from. Yeah. Cause well, I was like, what does it matter if they did? Some of the most notorious serial killers, including, um... Ed Gein, um, also Richard Ramirez, and yeah. um, they were all had like concu- like they all serious had injury, yeah, when they were younger. Wow, I did. Are you okay? Um, I don't know. Let's move on. Okay. Hope <laughs> you're okay. Uh, he also had a pronounced stutter from his injury. Uh, in 1890, Albert moved to New York City with his mother. He worked as a male prostitute uh, or a male sex worker. So it's the same guy. Same guy. But he was, he was about 15. We just time. flash forward. He, a male prostitute at 15? Yeah. They didn't have the same laws? It's not legal. Absolutely not. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, but uh, he, this is what he stated to the police, that he was a male prostitute and sex worker, but this yeah. information has never been proven. Oh, uh, okay. Um, it's thought uh, later that he worked as a paper and uh, painting hanger, and throughout the 1890s, he regularly molested young children, particularly under the age of six. He also enjoyed writing obscene letters to women who had placed personal ads in newspapers, just really uh, offending them and calling them horrible names. Wow. In 1898, so nine years, sorry, eight years later, Albert's mother arranged for him to marry a 19-year-old girl named Anna Marie Hoffman and went on to have six children with her. What? Yeah. Does that not make you sick? Me, as a female, thinking that I was arranged marriage with someone and I've been really loyal, I've had all these children... But I know something fucks about to happen. A lot of arranged marriages happen a lot in today's society still. I don't mind arranged marriages. I do. Oh. Absolutely do. I don't really. I think there are specific cultures that um it's ingrained into that it's it's um. I just don't have a strong pin- opinion about it. For sure. I think some people yeah. make it work well. Like I think sometimes you choose to. Just go. This I guess is I can't really talk at. because like we have married at first sight, which is kind of like an arranged marriage TV show. 
Um, I know it's not real, but it's still like... You love that? I love that show. But also, there are women who are being sold into arranged marriages. That's where I have a problem Oh, no, that's it. wrong. Yeah, that's when it gets... That's when it blurs the line between more... No, that to me is not an arranged marriage. That's like slavery and sex trafficking. Absolutely. Different. It is very different. Um, so, during his marriage, he would continue to have affairs with various male lovers, one of which took him um, on an outing to a wax statue museum. Album became, he would have loved that. He would have loved it. He's so weird. Mm. Albert became extremely fascinated by a model of a dissected human penis. <gasps> um, it's been said that this was the experience that developed in him a fascination with genital mutilation and castration. For the rest of his life, he would insert needles into his penis. What? In order to achieve sexual satisfaction. Some needles actually getting lost in his urinary <gasps> tract and being caught into his bladder. Are you serious? Deadly. Do you know what's weird, though, is before I heard about it getting lost in his penis, I was like, you'd do that. Me? Yeah, you know how you staple your... So- uh, can I just clarify? <laughs> so I'm a drag performer, but I do, like, some pretty shocking stuff. Like, for example, the most shocking I've ever done is stapled something to myself. But I would never shove needles in my pee hole. Well, he probably thought he would never But there do... is a fetish. It's called sounding. It's like a real thing. What is that? Sounding is when you uh, stick a rod into your um. Oh, no, you hole. wouldn't do that. No, people do it. They like it. Like no, a... but you wouldn't. Fuck no. Absolutely not. Ouch. But that's not what he was doing, was it? Oh, is that what he He's, was doing just he... with a needle? With a needle. So was I was in... just imagining just at the, just wherever. No, no, into the pee hole with a needle. Oh, no, but you wouldn't get lost do that. Inside of I apologize. It's pretty far. I was wrong. Yeah, no, you were wrong. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. We'll move on. In 1903, Albert was arrested for embezzlement and was sentenced to some time in prison. Embezzlement for what? For hold like money. So he would have been held holding illegal money. Was there nothing he could just do? I don't know. Like in in that time in 1903, it's hard to get a job when you have a criminal record. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Okay. Um, During his time in prison, he regularly had sex with other inmates. And after his release, his children recalled that his behavior became increasingly bizarre. He would regularly hear voices and he claimed that he was receiving a message from the Apostle John. On one occasion, his oldest son, Albert Jr., found his father standing on top of a hill, his arms stretched out wide, screaming, I am Christ. I think it's all the um, needles in his dick. He's just lost his mind a bit. Or um, some people who are religious start to go down the path of... Mania. That, but also where people like read the Bible and read the Bible and read the Bible and they read all these stories about Jesus and they go, I'm going to be just like Jesus. I'm going to be just like Jesus. And then it kind of changes a bit with certain personalities and they're like, I am Jesus, like incarnate kind of a thing. Yeah, a lot of cult leaders have that mentality. A yeah. Lot of, um, religious men I've now. seen it a lot, yeah. Um, Albert was convinced that he was being directed by God to castrate little boys. Sounds true. So that's when you know you have a problem. That's when you know... Um, no, I think that sounds like something God would say. God would would <laughs> definitely. He's he, he's all about um, just you know, chopping off... Just any... Yeah. So I think um, Albert's yeah. onto something here. Yeah. Obviously we're joking. It's definitely true. Yeah, yeah sorry. Please, yeah, obviously, just, yeah. <laughs> um, psychiatrists would later diagnose him with a condition known as religious mania. Really? Yeah. Albert's children also recall times where they caught their father beating himself on the back with a nail-studded paddle. In 1910, Albert Fish began a sexual relationship with an intellectually disabled man named... Is he not 95 at this point? No, he'd be about 40, in his 40s. Is this one of the kids of the first man we were... Yeah. This is the first man. 
He's not the 75-year-old who had ch- six children, though. No, that was he? his father. So he's the eldest of... Yeah, correct. Sorry, Sorry. yeah, you're right. This whole time I've been thinking it was the 75-year-old. No, like, no, How no, many years is, um, did he live? No, I just mentioned the parents because, like, Sorry. it's a strange upbringing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so he started a sexual relationship with an intellectually disabled man named Thomas Kedden. Fish was working away from home in Wilton, Delaware, and brought Thomas Kedden back to his room where he was staying and engaged in sadomasochistic acts with him. But so then is that, like, what kind of ability or disability? Like, do you know what I mean? Like Intellectual. But so then I don't really know, like, can he consent? Um, we don't I, know. I, I don't know. He doesn't say anything in the articles. Yeah, but okay. um, I think the reason, which I read in a few things, that he, that he tar- targeted intellectually... Um, Disabled people. Uh, there's a different name for it. And I wish I knew it. It's when yeah. There's like a proper term. Yeah, I'm really sorry that I'm not using it correctly. It should be something like intellectually um, different ability of yeah. Intellect. That's what I. It's Some, like yeah, meant to be like. They I really have don't mean ability. to say it in the wrong Let way, and I should have looked it up. So I hope that hasn't offended anyone. I'll find it now so that we. Thank you. That's ourselves. great. And um, yeah, I think that the reason he picked these um, these people was because he. He found that they um, were easy like targets. Like, were vulnerable. Yeah, they were vulnerable. Like, so children. He actually and... flat out said in some court hearings that they were easy targets and they wouldn't... Um, they would be the easier to get away with his, his crimes. Um, okay, so over the course of a few days, these acts, these sadomatic masochistic acts, became more and more like torture when Albert Fish inflicting almost all of the pain... Albert Fish took Thomas Kedden to an old farmhouse with the intention of murdering him and dissecting his... How did this his... get here? Sorry? Suddenly he wants to murder him. Yeah, well, he went to having sex with him every few days um, with very sadomasochistic sex. Um, cognitive disabilities. Yeah, yeah, I think that what we're saying is kind of on the right track. Yeah, okay. Um, but my friend Laura gave me a really good way of saying it. It was kind of like someone with different abilities. Yeah, that's what I have in my head, but I just can't work out the right phrasing. Because they, because someone who has a disability has no... That, that doesn't mean anything to me. Like, that doesn't affect the way I should describe them. Because they're still human being. Well, because... I think as well because it frames it negatively. Yeah, and that's it's, absolutely not what I mean. It's literally just different. Yeah, I'm just And like, they have different abilities. That's absolutely, the whole thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, over the, so he had sex with Thomas Cadden over a few days, like I mentioned. At the farmhouse? Um, no, Gabby. Uh-huh. I'm going to say it again. So, <laughs> Sorry. No, no, it's okay. Um, he had sex with a man named Thomas, Thomas Cadden, who had intellectual different abilities. Yeah. They engaged in sadomasochistic acts together over the course of a few days. I don't really days. know what that is. It's um, kinky sex, but uh, like slave oh, master. Oh, no, 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 slave don't do ma- that. no, no, yeah, no. You don't do that because he, uh, Albert Fish was inflicting almost all of the pain. But you know what Thomas. I did do? What did you do? The other day yeah. when my partner and I were having sex, yeah. we moved from the lounge room to, and I'm going to tell my housemates not to listen to this one. Okay. We moved from the lounge room to the bedroom because yeah. there's two other people in the house and they could walk out anytime. And then I planted myself in the same position that Christian Grey asked his subs to... <laughs> <laughs> to sit. I don't in know his what that. I don't know. I know what you. I know what you're referring to, but I've never watched it or read it. So. Oh, you just have a g-string on. You're just in a certain position, and it's just like I thought. I felt strange sitting like that. Yeah. But Jamal came in and was like, "Yes." Oh, good on him. Yeah, but he, awesome. if he knew that that's why I did it, he'd be like, "Terrible." This is now a sex podcast, by the way. Yeah, sorry about that. No, I love it. No, sex positivity. We like to talk about sex because mm, it's mm, really important. Mm. Um, but is that that's not sadistic, is it? 
No, what I did. They're very tame. Oh, okay. I'm talking. I don't know what happened here, but I'm talking like. Uh, I don't mind it's, it's kind of like it's almost borderline rape. Oh no, that's not that didn't no, happen. No, no, that's what I mean because um, I think that uh, yeah, this Albert Fishman was unwell mentally, so I didn't think he would have normal, quote unquote, normal healthy sex. I think it would yeah, be very degrading true. and also really um, yeah. traumatic because yeah, he did true. take him to a farmhouse and he planned to murder him. But in the end, he just cut off half of his dick. Half? Half of his penis and left him alone and like, never saw him again. Half? Half. I don't know why half is worse than the whole thing, but it just seems so much more cruel. Like, so it forever, does, you're going to look down, you're going to know. You're I'm not going to forget he about it. He could have to death, but I don't know. There's no information about it. Because he left him alone. He just left him there. He gave him a kiss on the forehead while he was bleeding out and then left. Pretty dark. And so anyway, in 1917, Fisher's wife left Albert for another man. Thank God. Albert was left with yeah, six... I forgot about her. Yeah, thank God. Uh, Albert was left with six children to raise on his own. It was at this point that his parents... Does par- he kill them all? Well, no, but let me get into it. Um, it was at this point that his paranoia took on an entirely new dimension. His children once found him wrapped in a carpet, and on another occasion he would ask his children to beat him on the butt with the nail-studded palette. Do you know why? Because he's... You know how I keep talking about the attachment theory? Mm. I know it's like my hobby horse, but it's so important... So his arranged marriage would have become like, as much as he probably wasn't investing in it, it's like his safe space. So he knows he can always go back to that marriage and back to that house. And then her leaving has disturbed that. Absolutely. So then he would go back to his, how when he was in the orphanage and he was aroused by the beatings and how he's gone to the sadistic side with that other guy. Like he's gone back to that kind of thing. Like and mixed with the mania as well. Something to note is that he never... The children, when they were older, they never claimed that he ever physically abused them or sexually abused them. Um, but mental abuse is also a thing. So uh, anyway, it was around this time that Albert began to experiment with something a lot darker. He would start eating raw meat, which would also serve raw to his children. What? Beef. But he would uh, also serve, serve it to his children. People do that now. Uh, it's uncommon. Yeah. And it's not normal. But like I watched Wife Swap once where one family was on blue meat. I've seen that one. And then she, in the started, jar. she started cooking the meat and they all got really ill from it because their bodies weren't you know, used it to it. turned blue. Blue? It was, it was in like a big jar. I think I've seen that episode. Yeah, it's called blue meat. It's disgusting. It is disgusting. <gasps> Gabby. Oh, okay. Sorry. You can get really sick doing that. Really sick. No, but blue's a thing where you just go ch on no, each I'm side and then take about, it out. This episode, they put a raw chicken breast in a jar and left there for five months and it molded and they ate it. Oh. There's another one I'm talking that's, about. That's no. That's no. what I'm talking about. Oh my god, no, that's And terrible. he ate it and was like eating it while you could the, die from that. the wife was like, I'm leaving, it's disgusting. And he like <laughs> to taunt her, he got the jar and like went to the <gasps> like to the front patio and was like eating it like <gasps> See you later. <laughs> and she's like, You're gross. It was so Have a great life. It was like covered in mold. It was fucked. Uh anyway. So 1919, when things got really, really strange, that was the year that everything changed. After um, he's rolled up in the rugs and hit me on the butt and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Albert Fish would start targeting African-American boys, usually quite young, between the ages of 6 and 15, and were more often than not intellectually uh, with different abilities. Is this because of the time when it was all happening, that's like another vulnerable group of people at the Absolutely. time? Absolutely. And um, police... Like social exclusion. Police were also very known not to look into missing uh, um, black children cases. They were just horrible t- towards them. Horribly racist, so... It's um, disgusting. It's fucked. Um, I don't know how you can look at another human and not think that they're 
equal or another I can't even get into racism right yeah, now okay, because it literally sorry. just like it makes me so sad yeah and like it just yeah it really just makes me really depressed but yeah um so Albert uh so he would learn a new skill of luring children in with gifts and kind words and flattery he would persuade them to follow him to different He's places like the original candy man yeah. yeah in July 1924 Fish met a young girl who was playing alone with her parents um, sorry, on her parents' Staten Island farm. He had convinced the girl to join him to pick rhubarb, but just as she was walking away with him, the mother of the young girl arrived and scared him off. Scared but, him off? Yeah, like, so he would oh, have been like, oh, shit. Oh, he was intimidating. Yeah, yeah okay. But I was like, what would she do? He became obsessed with this young girl. He tried to return to the farm. Because he couldn't have her. Yeah, and sleep in the barn that was on her farm. Oh. But once again, he was discovered by the father who eventually chased him away. That He wouldn't care. He'd go back. Well... He didn't come back, thank God. Uh, I'm just talking about his abduction attempts right now. He's terrifying. So another attempt occurred when he tried to invite two young boys over for lunch. When the boys waited for the food to be prepared by Albert, they were in his bedroom. Um, they, were, they were play wrestling on Albert's bed and then they fell onto the floor. Um, and under the bed, they saw a meat cleaver, a hacksaw and a knife. The boys were so terrified, they dashed straight past Albert and out of the apartment. But do you think, you know, have you seen You on Netflix? Yeah. Do you think that it's similar for Albo, where he's like... Albert. I just thought I'd give him a nickname. Oh, great. I thought you thought his whole name this whole time was Albo. No, no, no. I just thought I'd <laughs> give him a nickname. Um, do you think it's the same thing for him as what it is for Joe and you, where he's like, like with that little girl, where he like loves them in some weird way? No, because Albert's a pedophile. So... No, no I'm just talking for his mind, though. I don't care what his mind says. It's wrong. Oh. I think a lot of, um, that's what, that's what happens in these cases when they go to trial because people oh, are like, and they go, oh, I'm insane. Yeah. So they go, oh, but in his mind, in his mind, it was okay. No, so I don't I, think it's okay. I'm more just interested in like the attachment theory and how that affected his mind and yeah, how I, he sees relationships. For sure. I think that he, um, has a, in my opinion, from what I've read about him, I think he has a complex, uh, mm. about um, being a master and being yeah. and being able to take the ultimate like calling the shots kind of yeah thing. the ultimate form of domination is murder it's taking someone's life that's without their so consent true. so I think that's what he has he has a complex of sexually driven yeah um, master co- my master which has complex. come from the orphanage probably from the orphanage his upbringing that boy who the like, wax thing the wax thing a lot of a lot of things and yeah, like, yeah. The, the concussion as well. And then you can imagine lawyers going, none of that's his fault. That's the thing to get him yeah. out of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, Albert okay. Fisher's attempts to kidnap young children from diverse backgrounds or children that were living on the street were not successful. None. Until he abduct, abducted a child at the name of Francis McDonald. The eight-year-old was playing ball on the street with four friends when Fish was hanging around for hours. Um, he called over the boy. When the friends had turned to see where Francis was chatting to Albert, they noticed that they both disappeared. When Francis failed to return home, his father immediately sent out to go find him. After scouring the neighborhood and talking to other boys who were there, he was constantly told about a gray-haired man that was walking around. He immediately contacted police headquarters because little did Albert know, Francis McDonald was the son of a police officer. (gasps) The next day, an enormous search began to take place through Staten Island. Eventually, though, the body of Francis McDonald was found by three Boy Scouts under a pile of leaves and branches on a rural property. Was his penis there? All of the clothing below the child's waist had been pulled from his body. He was very apparent that he'd been viciously sexually assaulted. 
Albert Fish had eventually killed Francis by strangling him with his own suspenders, which were wound so tightly around his neck that they, be, they appeared to be part of his flesh. Whoa. It's so Like fucked. they fully thought. The, the fibers, like they weren't sure. The fibres of the material um, fused with his it. neck, yeah. I hope that, like, this will sound bad, but, like, I hope that it was, like, quick and then the violent sexual stuff was after because I would hate, like, having been through an experience like that myself mm. and, like, living through it kind of a thing, I would hate for a kid to have that be their last Memory. Moments. For sure. Yeah. I, can, I agree. It's just really tragic. Like, it's, it's just horrible. Anything to do with children just also really irks me as well. But, um, so the, within the next, within minutes, almost 50 police officers were surrounding the body. And within the next day, the case was given the highest priority with 250 officers assigned to the case. Optus told me that I was their highest priority. And they fired you. No. At they the quit. moment, I've got no internet. Oh, they lie. They lied to me. They always lie. I haven't heard from them. So I'm glad in this case that... Waiting for Telstra, always. Yeah. The boy's father, um, Arthur MacDonald, was transferred from Manhattan Precinct to Staten Island so he could personally work on his son's case. That's a conflict of interest, though. In the 20s, I think that, yeah, yeah, you do, you, honey. Yeah, that's true. You do, you, honey. Um, the autopsy on the body revealed that he had been eating raisins just prior to his death. The police concluded that this must have been the law that the killer used to pull the boy away. The terrible um. condition of the body made the coroner conclude that the attacker could not have possibly been an older man. To cause that type of degree of physical damage, he must have been in his prime age of middle age or younger. But he's not, was he? No, no, well, definitely wasn't. He so was older, wasn't he? That's the thing, and people, that's why um, he kind of almost got away with it, because the damage on the boy's body... They were just like, body, there's no way someone no could one, There's no way an old man can have this kind of strength. Um, okay, so eventually the leads... Oh, so, so yeah, uh, the news reports started to sweep the state about, quote, unquote... What's happening? Okay, sorry. Um, okay, so... Yeah, he was coined the grey man... Um, and dozens of grey hair men were arrested and questioned who were suspicious, but they were eventually released. Um, eventually the leads just began to dry up and with public interest in the case fading away, the dead boy's mother made a plea to the public saying, help us catch the monster who killed our boy. Please help us find the grey man. On May 25th, 1928, 18 year old Edward Budd placed a one line advertisement in the New York press newspaper in an attempt to find job. Three days later, an elderly man knocked on the door of the Bud apartment in Manhattan. He said that his name was Frank Howard, and then he was replying to the ad in the paper. Edward Bud's mother lived... Uh, Frank Howard? Is that the name of the kid missing? No, he just made up a name. Oh, he just made up a name. Um, so, um, Edward Bud's mother invited him, in, invited him inside and sent her youngest Beatrice to fetch the, her brother who was next door. Edward soon turned up, turned up with his friend William Toe. Howard offered both boys jobs on his farm in Farmingdale, Long Island. He then told them that he would return on Saturday to drive the boys to the farm. But when the following Saturday came, the boys waited excitedly with their bags packed, but Mr. Howard never turned up. Instead, a telegraph um, had arrived stating that Howard had been delayed and he would come for the boys the next day. He turns up Sunday afternoon, just as the family returned from church, he was invited to stay for lunch. It was while sitting at the dining table that Mr. Howard got his first view of Grace Budd, the youngest in the family. She was eight years old, dressed in her best Sunday clothes, and Mr. Howard no. was immediately smitten by her. Smitten? Yeah. Smitten? Ms. Smitten. Like what I was saying about the 
affection. Yeah. Oh. Mr. Howard then told Grace how pretty she was and asked if she could if she was a good counter. She nodded and then he pulled out the biggest wad of money from the from his pocket that anybody in the room had ever had ever seen. He laid the cash and the coins on the table and asked Grace to count it for him. Grace counted the money, $92.52, which she was rewarded with a 50 cents piece and told her to buy some candy for her and her sister. Grace left the room very happy, um, sent away by her mother who said, yeah, we can go buy some candy, that's totally fine. It was then Mr. Howard informed the buds that there had been a slight change of plans. He had to attend his young niece's birthday party that afternoon. but <gasps> Can he take her? But he would return for the boys that evening. He asked Mr. Bud whether it would be okay if he can take Grace to the birthday party. <gasps> he said it was going to be good fun, lots no. of food and games, and plenty of children. <gasps> he also said that he would have it back by 9 o'clock. Mrs. Bud was very hesitant. They obviously didn't know this Frank man, but he had seen he very... so rich. He, they said he it seemed exceedingly kind. Yeah. Um, and he clearly loved children. Before she could oh, answer, clearly. her husband had already answered for her. He said that Grace never really got out and that it would be good for her to have some fun. Oh. Mrs. Bud wanted to know where the party was being held. Howard answered that it was at his sister's house at 137 Columbus Avenue, but the Buds didn't know that Columbus actually ends at 110, so the address did not exist. Oh. Um, the young Grace dressed for the occasion. She wore a party hat and blue streamers, as well as a spring coat. They headed up the street together as Mrs. Bud watched the, watched at the door, waving them goodbye. That was the last time um, Mrs. Bud ever saw her. Grace. That's the Buds waited all night for Grace and the Grey Man to return, and by Monday morning, Mrs. Bud was in complete hysterics. Um, Edward had rushed off to the nearest police station to report that Grace had been missing. A short time later, four detectives arrived at the home of the Buds to question the family. The kidnapping was again big news all over the country. The case was very unique because it was the first time that anybody had a real and long, detailed look at the Grey Man. Thousands of yeah, flyers... Yeah, no, he just hung out for so long with them. Yeah, which is he's never done before. Yeah. Um, so thousands of flyers with a detailed description accompanied with a photo of Grace were distributed through the US and through Canada. And as expected, there was a lot of false sightings and accusations, but then a finally a solid lead emerged. The telegraph office when, when Mr. Howard had telegraphed the buds from now we need to send a telegraph, um, he was identified there. From there, an intense Idiot. search of that area was found. Good. And another clue was found. A food basket that Mr. Howard had left at the buds' house. They eventually found the man who had sold Mr. Howard the food basket and tracked him down. And from this, it was assumed that the owner of the basket was a resident of East Harlem. But then again, the trail went cold, which is fucking frustrating. Then in September 1930, there was a break in the case. So police had arrested a 66-year-old man under the name of Charles Edward Pope. He was held for three months, but when put on trial, he was found not guilty. Hmm. In November 1934... The still grieving parents of Grace Bud received a horrifying letter, which police... <gasps> this is the same person. Yeah, the letter. It's really infamous. Which police later confirmed was from Albert Fish. Yeah. An excerpt of the letter reads, I grabbed her and she was... <sighs> Sorry, I grabbed her and she said she would tell her mama. First, I stripped her naked. How she did kick and bite and scratch me. I choked her to death, then cut her yeah. in small pieces so I could take my meat to my rooms, cook and eat it. How sweet and tender her little ass was roasted in the oven. It took me nine days to eat her entire body. I feel sick. It's fucking disgusting. This is the same person that I the did play? A play. Yeah. Were you him? Yeah. That's fucked. Yeah. Where was this in high school? Yeah, my HSC. That's fucked. I probably still got it somewhere. You'll have to show me it. I don't know how I got onto it. No, it's strange. At that age. No. Like, what was I Googling? I don't know. 
Um, so the police were able to match the handwriting of a letter to the telegraph <gasps> that had been sent. It was immediately obvious that they were written by the same person, but it wasn't the letter that finally brought Albert Fish down. It was the envelope that it was written in. Why? Printed on the back of the envelope was printed the initials NYPCBA. Police were able to track it down to the New York Private Chauffeurs Benevolent Association. They had found out that Why a janitor... Why did he put that on the envelope? He just used a random envelope that he had. But oh. he found they, So police found out that a janitor at that association had mm. taken a heap of the envelopes home to his house where detectives immediately raided and they were frustrated that nobody at that address fit the description of Mr. Halbert yeah. or Albert Fish. But when they then realized. the janitor had remembered that when he took the envelopes from his workplace, he left them at his old address at East 52 2nd Street. Yeah. So when a detective showed the landlord a visual description of Mr. Howard, yeah. she immediately recognized him wow. as the elderly man who had moved back in when the janitor had left. Wow. The officer asked to see the man's signature on the register, pulling out the letter to compare. The signature had been written by the same person. There was a match and they found the name Albert Fish. Where? The police set up a 24-hour surveillance of the building to ensure that they could swarm Albert Fish as soon as he arrived, but he didn't for three weeks. This was until December when Albert returned to the house to inquire about a check with his landlord. The woman quickly called the police station and mentioned that Albert had returned and in fact was still there. Police immediately told the woman to stall Albert Fish so she, could, so she took him into a room and offered him a cup of tea. When detectives entered the room, they said, Albert Fish... Fish was calm, reached into his jacket pocket and pulled out a razor blade, holding it up into his wrist. Detectives were quick enough to tackle Albert Fish before he could slash his, wrists, rip, slash his wrists and held him to the ground. Looking down at the man they had been hunting for years, the detective simply Realizing said... Realising how pathetic and yeah, old and... Exactly. The detective said, I've got you now. Yeah. I love that. Albert Fish went was on trial... Was that the kid's dad that said that? Or is this someone no, else? No, someone else. Oh. Albert Fish went on trial for the murder of Grace Budd on March 11th, 1935. The night before Albert was able to keep a chicken bone from a soup he had served, been served the night before, sharpen it down and repeatedly <gasps> stab himself with it. When a guard heard him moaning, a guard rushed into the room and managed to take the makeshift weapon away. It wasn't a suicide attempt as you would think. It was a deranged way of satisfying your sexual desires. Ah, still. Throughout the 10-day trial, Albert Fish maintained a very relaxed attitude he sat slumped in his insane. chair, often his eyes closed, falling asleep. He showed little to no interest in what was going on. One reporter described him as a corpse, insecurely propped into a chair. Do you know why he might have been asleep? You know, when you're like... People who have mania have, like, disassociative states and they're really tiring. So he might have been, like, genuinely yeah. exhausted just from his mania. But also sociopaths don't have any empathy. He doesn't give a shit. Oh, yeah. So he's so relaxed. He's like, I don't care. You tell me what I'm getting. I don't care. Yeah. He doesn't care. He's just sitting there. Um, so Albert Fish was sentenced to death via electric chair after being prosecuted and charged for first-degree murder. He didn't care. In 1936, Albert Fish entered the execution tabor, chamber with his hands clasped in prayer as he was lowered into the chair and strapped in. He doesn't Later, need to pray if he's Jesus. Does he still think he's Jesus at this point? I don't point? think so. Huh. Later, the cap fitted was fitted. The electrodes were attached to his skin. And as the currents entered his body, his body twitched backwards, the veins on his neck bulged, <gasps> and his fists involuntarily clenching. Then he went limp and he was dead. <sighs> at a meeting with reporters after the execution, Fish's lawyer, James Dempsey, revealed that he was in possession of the client's final statement. This amounted to several pages of handwritten notes that Fish apparently penned in the hours just prior to his death. When pressed by the assembled journalists to reveal the document's wow. contents, contents, 
Dempsey, the lawyer, refused, stating, I will never show it to anyone. It was the most filthy string of obscenities that I've yeah. ever had to read. And that's the story of Albert He's probably Fish. written down. You know when crazy people, like, they love to share their story at Absolutely. some point? Absolutely, and he knows he's going like, to die, so he care. Yeah, that's disgusting. Um, he's also known as the vampire of Manhattan, the grey man. Is he really? Yeah. Disgusting. He's gross. How do you feel about that? He's gross. Disgusting. Horrible. Yeah. That scared me. I think, like, for me, I feel more scared, like, um, with the little kids, like, hearing what happened to them and thinking, like, being a little kid, even, like, Grace being like, I'm going to tell my mum. Because as a kid at that age, you're like, yeah, my mum's going to save me, so you're going to be in trouble in a minute. Yeah, you feel like that's... And and unfortunately, in this case, it just didn't happen. My... I just don't, it's really depressing. for me, it's like, I don't understand how a human being can, can be so, um, wrongly, um, wired, um, and eventually murder and molest and rape. I think a child. that's when it's like, so some people are born with a predisposition to be abnormal mentally or different things. And then when you have that and then also have an upbringing without that attachment, <laughs> Sorry to bring Love it up Love your again. attachment theory. I know, it's my hobby. No, no, but I, seriously, I like when those two yeah. things mix together, that's when you just get sociopathic, disassociated, emotionally mm-hmm. strange. It's all nature versus nurture conversation, isn't it? Because a lot of the time... I think it takes both to be that. I agree, you know, but I also think uh, nurture is an enormous part of it because a, yeah. lot, a lot, almost like I'd say 90% of um, murder cases, especially like serial killers... They've had pasts where, like, they've been abused or, like, they've been through a really fucking tough upbringing. So, and like, this would all be, like, pleasure and nurture to him. Yeah, Everything for he's sure. Done, yeah. He's getting endorphins from it and dopamine and... It's scary. It's really yeah. scary because you never know if you're going to meet someone like that and not know on the surface if they're like that because... Do you ever wonder, like, if you've been to, like, I don't know, a store or something and you're, like... Or if you're working and you meet someone and you're, like, has this... like. I wonder what... I see people look at me. Yeah. Like, I'll see people watch me, but I'll yell at them. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, um, I was with you the other day in Kayama, and I got out of the car, and there was some old man watching me. And I was like, I just yelled at him, yeah, I have boobs. I don't think you heard yeah. me because you were talking. But I just kind of make them... I just make it noticeable that I've noticed them, so I'm not like this... Like, Victim. people watch you wherever you are. For sure. And it's like, I think you have to trust your vibes. I agree. Trust your gut. That's, yeah. like, something I say in almost every episode. Like, listen to your gut. Listen to yeah. your intuition. Because normally... Like, Grace's mum. Yeah. Who's Grace? Grace Bud. Oh, sorry. In the story, yeah. Yeah, in the story. Grace's mum. She was like, oh, yeah, yeah. A mum would be like, oh, I don't really know how I feel about this. Yeah, mothers have their own set of intuition. Yeah. Well, well, now with that positively uplifting story, thank you so much, Gabby, for joining me again. I feel like rubbish now. <laughs> so do I. They feel horrible. Yeah. Um, but this is what you get for listening to this yeah, podcast. No. You don't feel great. But, um, you know, these things have happened in the world and I'm always very fascinated by them, unfortunately. But you know what? I think the outro should be Candyman by Christina Aguilera. I'll get sued, doll. Why? Because you can't. It's copyright. We can sing it. Candyman. Candyman. Tarzan and Jane swinging on a You're singing it a really scary, like horror style. (laughs) (laughs) And with that scary song, thank you so much for listening. 
Make sure you um, please, please, please. I can't stress enough. Please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. It really will help me a lot on iTunes as well. Um, and please share and tag Schedule as Pod on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook if you're listening because I like to start conversations about these episodes. And I love you so much. And uh, again, thank you. And I'll see you next week. Thanks, Bye. guys. Bye.